What the heck is up, everybody? This is Untitled. Today is April 5th, 2023, and I got good friend, follower of the show, former teammate, Gunnar Myers on. Welcome to the show. On? Yeah, so Gunnar, uh, you know, if you guys don't know him, he is uh, originally from my high school. We played a little basketball together, had some good years, some very successful years. And now my man's over in Scottsdale, Arizona. That's right, man. Beautiful weather here all the time. I got golf year-round. I mean, no complaints over here. Yeah, that uh, I, I noticed on your Snapchat story, it will be like, I don't know, 1 p.m., on a Tuesday and I just see this beautiful course and I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty jealous when it's December outside. Yeah. Pretty fortunate. I got a pretty flexible schedule with work, stuff like that. So yeah, man, I'll hop on there sometimes, find a good tea time. If I don't have any work in the afternoon and get out there. Yeah. Do you have a favorite course down there yet? So for the most part, I golf with my cousin. Uh, we each have a couple apps. So right now it's considered peak season. So everything, I mean, it is pretty expensive right now. So we just kind of try to find deals and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, and Reese has been on the show a couple times um, when they were out here for the waste management open, which is, I recommend anyone who has a <laughs> chance to go to go to that damn thing. It is crazy. But we went to uh, probably, I would say my favorite course, uh, Rancho Manana. It's Ooh. tight. It's pretty tough, but it's up in the hills and there's super cool views and you can usually find, you know, a pretty decent rate. So that's, I would say Rancho Manana in Cave Creek, Arizona is probably my favorite course. Hell yeah. I was actually going to bring this up in a little bit, but that waste management, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the same weekend as the Super Bowl, right? It was, man. You should have seen it out here. It was absolutely insane. It wasn't it like all the celebrities were there too at one of those two. I mean, it was, it had to have been an insane weekend. If you just go out to a normal bar, I bet that all of a sudden you're spot seeing somebody you see oh, it was absolutely social crazy, media. Man. And then, you know, while we were here, there were so many celebrities in town. You kept seeing that like Drake, DJ Khaled, Shaquille O'Neal, Snoop Dogg, they're doing just like pop-up little concerts. All of a sudden they're like, yeah, we're doing a pop-up concert at the Scottsdale like municipal airport where like all the celebrities fly into. <laughs> and it's like 20 grand entry. You're like, yeah, we're not going to that, but it sounds pretty sweet. But yeah, dude, I mean, they're everywhere. I mean, I don't know. Do you follow like the Friday beers guys? Who's always like almost oh, Friday. Yeah, they post the the stuff on Friday and Thursday with yep. all the memes, right? People, yep. Yeah, they yeah. Like, they watch a hilarious video. So it was really funny. Like, I think it was the Friday we were walking into waste management and they just have like buses of people coming in. And I like caught the corner of my eye of a few guys walking off the bus. I'm like, I kind of feel like I recognize those guys and turned around and it was the Friday beers guys. They just like <laughs> walked in with us and I was whatever shooting the shit with them. But I mean, it was, it's just, you talk to them. I talked to them a little bit. They're super yeah. nice. Um, the one guy, his name's like chat or whatever. He does like fake business, uh, entrepreneur <laughs> stuff. And I kind of chopped up with him a little bit, but yeah, dude, they're hilarious. Yeah, they seem like it. I see some of their videos every once in a while too, where they just yeah. actually show their face and it's not, you know, just the normal Instagram right. posts that everybody puts on their stories. That's right. insane. I they do seem like pretty chill dudes though, and they're pretty young. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and if you ever see like the one guy on their team, his name's like Angus, is like they call him fringe guy. Oh like if you go to his page and like look at the fringe guy videos. We saw him come out of the porta potty, and I yelled at him like, "Hey, fringe guy!" And he like acted just like he would on in his Instagram videos, like acted super awkward, and like ran away. It was so 
<laughs> Wait, what's this guy's name? I might not. He's not the dude with the black hair, like the main yes, guy, dude, right? like, the ta- like the taller guy, the black hair, who's like always acts like a weirdo in the video. Oh shit, that's fringe guy. Fringe guy. I thought he was the main guy that like ran the. I think page. He is. So his actual name is Angus, but then he does like those little side bits, and they call him fringe guy. Okay, he has my exact sense of humor. He's funny as shit. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, anyways that's that's insane did you guys go somewhere where like this because you had a bunch of people over that weekend where do you guys watch the super bowl at so one of our buddies my buddy from utah who's my teammate at teammate at nyack he had a fly out sunday so then like after that we got on my app and found like a cheap golf rate for some little nine hole course so we did that and we kind of bar hopped around and then ended up watching like hat we watched it at a bar called Zips. There's a bunch of them out here. So we watched half the game there. And then we're like, there's so many people here. Let's not try to get in trouble with driving or anything. So we headed back towards uh, uh, where my aunt lives, like in a big gated community. And one of her friends there was throwing like a big party. So then we just stopped by there and ended our night there pretty much. Sounds amazing. When you go to those house parties, especially in probably arrows like that, insane food. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. All you can grab, they probably have the nacho dip with some type of meat, and then I'm guessing some type of spread that you can go grab oh, yeah. from too. And, and the people are like, "Oh yeah, you can hop in the, you can look in the fridge. We don't have a lot. We open the fridge, and it's just like top to bottom, just filled with pretty much anything you can imagine. It's a fucking liquor store out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, that waste management sound sounded so fun. I saw some pictures of it, but yeah, I hadn't heard that story yet. So that's pretty neat to see. Scottsdale. I'm so jealous right now. I'm looking outside and it's actually flirting a little bit. I don't really know what it is. I hadn't been outside in a little bit yet, but it's t- kind of snowing in Minnesota right now. And oh, you might be able to play golf this evening. So <laughs> to say I'm jealous is definitely an understatement. Yeah. Now, we were talking a little bit earlier and I am kind of curious. So I'm not a huge golfer, but do you use like golf now to find all these deals? So my cousin has golf now and I think he, and then I use the Barstool Tea Time. Barstool has an app where you can get stuff too. Oh, that's neat. And I think Barstool Tea Time, like I think as you book stuff, you kind of like accumulate points. Yeah. Then that you can, you know, put in to get a, whatever, a discounted rate or something like that. Yeah. That's neat. I actually didn't know that. So I'll be honest, I'm not going to get too deep into the details, but I told uh, Talia, Maya, Logan, all this, and Kyle in Chicago, I was on a, I'm now no longer on a boycott, but I was on a one-month boycott with Barstool, and I was really quiet about it. On what? They're the competition, Gunner, are you kidding me? Oh, okay. No, 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 that's not at all it. Um, Basically, I've been on Barstool once before in my life. Um, They put me out there, not on the main page. But an affiliate, you know how there's like fucking thousands of this. Pretty much every single main university has an affiliate of them. So I already knew I was on there once. And like a month ago, basically early March, I was scrolling through my phone late at night. And I was on my For You page. So it wasn't like I was stalking or anything. And all of a sudden I see this. I'll just, I'll give you a little hint. Minnesota. It was an affiliate like Minnesota Barstool. And all of a sudden... I'm scrolling through. It was kind of funny. Clickbait. There's some fun things. They're getting ready for college football games, hype videos, whatever. All of a sudden I go down and all of a sudden there's like a video of me. There's like this fucking 
dude in a hockey shirt. Everybody fucking loves hockey here. I don't get it. Anyways, I hate that guy already. He's taking like a video and it's just me in the background and it was like PDA stuff, but oh my God, dude, that was like shit. Imagine like a year after it actually happens, all of a sudden you notice you're like on a page that has 20,000 people and I was, I boycotted them. I didn't even watch my favorite, second favorite podcast outside of this, son of a boy dad. I was strong with my boycott. I mean- but anyways, I get it. I mean, that would be frustrating. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, had to do it. I know it wasn't even bar stools. They just take submissions. Right. Dude, that like freaked me out because it made me think, I'm, first of all, I know I'm probably on various people's phones because, you know, when you're in the middle of something, people just, you know, take a Snapchat right. story, save it on their phone. But think about like, if you're out there anywhere else, like just actual right. social media, that's fuck to think about dude it is yeah anyways i mean everyone's recording i mean you're never safe yeah dude i'm like you know i'm a nobody i'm well i am the leader host of this podcast but it was it was just crazy to see that it took me for a shock and so i boycotted barstool and um i'm going to I stopped it now, but uh, they are the competition and I need to put them down, you know, lower their viewership every once in a while because they're doing too many good things. I got to bump up mine, man. Focus on the grind. That's right. Okay. Barstool um, tea? Barstool tea time? Barstool tea. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. I mean, it's a super easy app to use. You can just kind of scroll through there. I mean, you type in... If you're in a different city, you can type in what city it is if you want a certain course. And it literally just gives you open tea times available. It'll tell you, you know, we have three spots open on this hole. And, I mean, I've always had great luck with it. So, yeah, that's good. Uh, I'll, pro- I'll probably stick with my golf now. I'm going to yeah. boycott Barstool just a little bit longer. Maybe after another year, I'll decide, you know, Barstool is – good again but right now they're the bad guys in my eyes so i'm gonna stick with the pga golf now yeah i hear you i'll tell you i'll tell you an app that i love to use for golf um i know like reese kumar a bunch of us do it it's called the grint g-r-i-n-t have you heard of that no but i'm gonna write it down right now what's it what's the difference between that and all the others this one you don't book tee times on it but it's a free app you can get like a whatever a different version of it where it's like a few bucks a month or something like that but it's uh it's a free app it's a gps free gps so if you had a course you never played before and you're not sure where to go or anything like that and then it's also you can add friends on it it's like social media for golf so like you know i got a bunch of the guys from back home in sheffield on it so i can see where they're golfing what scores they're posting oh shit and you can comment on it so like if i play around and i post you know, Gunnar Meyer shot a 75. Reese can go on there and he can put like, I was there, I attest to it. So that like boosts your credibility for this app. So that's kind of cool. I mean, I always rec- every time I'm golfing with people, you know, they see me on my phone messing with it. They're like, you know, what app do you use? There's so many yeah. different ones out there, but I really like that app. Now, do you think Reese is usually telling the truth and he's just getting his buddies to go in and give him credibility? Because I don't know. I don't sure. think he's shooting a 77. No, that was me. That was me. <laughs> He's attesting to my score. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So we got a couple big topics that came up over this past week in sports. I got you on. I'm going to get your opinion on some of these things. It's actually incredible how many talking points we probably have today. 
Yeah. We'll start with the women's national championship, which brought a shit ton of discussion. As you as you remember, you know uh, Iowa was able to arguably one of the win one of the best women's college basketball games of the year, which was sure. South Carolina, which I think was the best team for the women's this year. They were they had an incredible team, and yes, they it, you know Iowa did something like I guess they were kind of taking up the paint a little bit. And uh, nobody was able to, they just didn't shoot the ball. They left them wide open and they didn't take advantage of it. And, you know, Caitlin Clark shrugged them off. And at the end of it, LSU ends up winning the national championship versus Iowa. And she does a little bit of the taunt that Caitlin Clark did the game prior. Obviously, a couple people, he shall not be named owner of our stool, ended up calling it classless. Everybody saw that. Everybody gave their own take on it. So what is your thought on what happened? So here's my thought on what happened, especially the South Carolina game. I don't, it's hard to, obviously it's hard to tell what they're thinking in the moment, but the whole Caitlin Clark, you know, doing that hand gesture thing. In my mind, maybe if you're playing in that game and all of a sudden you see a pass go to a wide open girl and you can kind of see Caitlin Clark's about to step out there. Maybe in her mind, she's like, oh, yeah, it's in the game plan. Don't go to that girl. Let her shoot if she wants to. She's shooting like 20% of the year. Yeah. And the whole thing like, oh, it's disrespectful how they weren't guarding them. They're all in the paint. What we were watching, I was watching that South Carolina game, and I was FaceTiming Jacob and Reese. And the whole time they were like, dude, look up how tall that girl is. How tall is that girl? They had like a 6'5 girl, a 6'7 girl starting. They had a girl come off the bench who was like 6'4. I mean, that's – I think they had a perfect game plan. You have a couple girls in South Carolina shooting – 20% for the year. I think you have to clog up the middle with someone like Aliyah Boston and some of those other freaking tall girls that are in the game. So it's hard to tell what Caitlin Clark was thinking in that instance when she waved it off. Maybe she was literally telling the girl, bet, shoot it. We don't care. But I mean, if she did, knock, I mean, the girl ended up knocking down some shots. So, but at the end of the game, I think Iowa's game plan was perfect. And obviously they came out with the win. It was. And I think that South Carolina beats them nine times out of 10. Iowa was lucky enough to play that one game to be able to beat them because those two teams, and even LSU's game, um, Iowa, I don't want to take anything away from them because they had a historic season. Caitlin Clark is unbelievable. I actually think that her and women's basketball, I think you could possibly make an argument that she's done as much for women's basketball to change it as maybe Stephen Curry did a little while back when he started launching. I mean, we didn't see that before Stephen Curry all of a sudden decides to just become strictly a three point like artist. Anyways, Caitlin Clark shoots so fast. She takes a lot of shots, which sometimes gets a little bit old, but Iowa wouldn't have been able to have half the season. They, they might've made the NCAA tournament if they didn't have Caitlin Clark. And that's the thing too. I mean, obviously she carries that team on phenomenally. She's a great passer as well, but she literally played unreal every single game of that tournament. If she would have had, for how many shots she take, if she would have had a mediocre shooting night, they might not have got it past the sweet 16, you know? I mean, yeah. it's just, they're fortunate she dropped 240 balls back to back. She was hot at the right that time. Was it was incredible. Um, did you see this? Women's basketball had ticket prices that were over double the same for the men's same time frame. And women's basketball was much more expensive. More people were buying the tickets. And I think maybe Houston's facilities were a little bit more 
uh, had they a were little, a little bit bigger, more but seating, but I saw them going for like 450, 460 bucks a piece. Yeah, it, it was, was insane. insane. But what I'll say, uh, well, I guess before I get into that, do you have any thoughts on if it was classless or not? Because everybody's kind of bringing their own Everyone's opinion, got opinion on it. I guess the only thing that, obviously, when you're on Facebook, I'm friends with all people who are from Iowa. Yes. So then your, your mind starts to think, it, it, it's getting old for sure. I think it's time to whatever, let it go. Especially for what Caitlin Clark has said after the game, like, it's a game. We're all into it. Yeah. We're all talking smack to each other. Whatever. I thought maybe the girl from LSU might have taken it a step too far by following her at the end of the game, talking like you know, kind of yelling at her, trying to get her attention and doing it. But I mean, I agree with Clark's point of view. I mean, it's a championship game. Yeah, it's a heated moment. You win a championship. Your mind's probably not whatever. Your mind's going everywhere. So, yeah, you might showboat a little bit more, but, I mean, I'm not going to absolutely tear LSU down for doing that because either way, it was an insane game to watch, fun game to watch. So I, I had to miss it all. I was in Chicago watching the Brewers game, which I do not regret at all, but the mm-hmm. minute I got out, I was, you know, we were kind of just checking the scores on our phones, but we, it was straight to driving. It was a fucking six-and-a-half-hour drive to get back to Minneapolis after the game, and Oh my god, dude! I was fucking wiped by the time I put the hand <laughs> I bet. But dude, oh, go on. I was just saying, dude. If you're Wrigleyville's a good time. Oh yeah, Wrigley. I mean, that, that place can take you by storm, man. It's it's awesome. I, I liked my time there. I wish we would have stayed out in Wrigleyville on one of the nights. We didn't end up making it, but I checked out one of my new favorite bars. Uh, what's it called? Um, Twin Peaks. I've oh, heard it too. That <laughs> would be your favorite place, Trav. Bro, it's uh, it's more casual than Hooters. It's less it mainstream than Hooters, but it's kind of the same thing. It's kind of why my old favorite restaurant probably was Show Me's down in Missouri, which is a similar similar situation. Yeah. Uh, it, this is not suitable for work, by the way. If you're listening to this on the job, do not let your boss know that your favorite pub is Twin Peaks nor no. Show Me's. But hey, what can I say? that's hilarious yeah i'll say one thing about this whole dilemma going on with angel reese and i think that most people can probably agree if you think about it the right way that what she did was so good for women's basketball i don't remember the last time it's been the men's and women's national championship and days later the only game you're talking about is the women's national championship it's crazy, and I That's think so we true. can all – numbers don't lie. We can generally agree for the casual fans, they usually go towards the men's games, and it doesn't seem that way this year. And I think Caitlin Clark played a big part of it because she was so fun to watch, and she was such a different type of player. In, in general, we're kind of used to seeing these women's basketball players. Uh, the teams that win have the seven-footer or the close to seven-footer, and nobody else can guard them because it's such a right. cheat code. This year, it was a little bit different. And then, you know, LSU, the better team, ended up winning, which was probably rightful. And we see a little bit of trash talk, which I I don't want to stereotype, but we generally don't see that as much in women. Men are so, they'll confront anything, but I don't see, I don't think we see enough of that in women's sports. 
we saw it. And I think part of that is why it was such a shock. And some people were saying the classless. and I do see the differences between what Caitlin Clark did and what Angel Reese did, but I don't think she should even remotely think that was the wrong thing to do no. for the sport, for growing that demographic of the sport. Perfect. I think it's so, I think it's growing so much too, is because for how many years there, it was a lot of people being like, I'm not going to watch the women's team. Gino Ariyama and the UConn yeah. girls are going to win it for the eighth year in a row. Like yeah. it's going to be a blowout every single game. So you see a couple different teams in there. I mean, no matter which team won, it was going to, they were going to be a first time champion for their program. So yep. I think that kind of grew the audience a lot more too, not seeing literally the same team in it. Yeah. It has been forever. So I think that was huge too. Yeah. And even before the UConn, you know, there was Tennessee there. Now it's kind of South Carolina a little bit. It seems like we see the same team over and over. Yeah. I mean, South Carolina hadn't lost in, I think, over a year, right? right. I mean, that's Dude, they're freaking insane. Like 42 or 43 games in a row. Yeah, it's fun to see new new faces in, which is why I was, to an extent, I was happy to see the men's side of the game end up being like SDSU in the championship. But at the same time, I was also starting to think going into it, it did seem like it was just a walk in the park for whoever won UConn Miami, but it's still great to see. And I hope that it starts becoming a little bit more like that. And I think, you know, I talked about it with Anthony, I think a week or two ago, it's the NILs changing things men's yeah. side. And I, hopefully we see a little bit more with the women's sides too, um, where teams just break out because a little even playing field, people stay a little bit longer. It's, it's a fun situation. It's a, it's a new especially, environment. Dude, especially, especially for women's, man. I mean, if this NIL deal, it kind of is taken off. For, I mean, Caitlin Clark makes a lot of money. That Angel Reese makes a lot of money. WNBA players really don't make that much money. So it's just more of an incentive for them to be like, why would I go to – yes, I could be a pro, but I'm making more more money than in college than I would be yeah. being a pro. Yeah, and I'd be curious. So I've only seen the top 10 that ESPN posted for who's making the most money at NIL. I think the only woman on there was Livy Dunn. Uh, bless her heart, by the way. <laughs> um, anyways, yes. Yeah, so I'd be interested to see what Caitlin Clark does make. I doubt they disclose it. Um, you could probably dig through the archives a little bit and find what she makes in NIL per year because – you know, she's, she stays again next year. She's going to be making a shit ton. I mean, every single yeah. restaurant, every single bar in Iowa city, some national, a lot of national platforms will be asking for her too. She, we might be seeing her on a commercial here in the next couple months. Oh, she was sure. that huge. She is the biggest in women's. Is it too much to say women's sports? Um, I'm missing somebody. There's there's a tennis girl out there that's probably top of the line. Oh, yeah. Women's basketball, for sure. She's the biggest thing right now, and she's going to be getting some national recognition, and she'll be the next Bryce Young hanging out on a you know a Pepsi or a pop commercial. Yeah, right. So I think so too, man. Yeah. Okay, well, we talked about that. Any thoughts on kind of the men's side of it? Not really. Kind of like you said, man. I mean, going into it, I mean, I thought whoever – UConn was going to play in the championship. It didn't matter. It was going to be – and it wasn't necessarily a walk in the park, but it did end up being like, what, like a 17-point game or something like that. I mean, they looked so good that tournament. Pretty much and every single game they played was over 15 points. It was insane. Saying, I mean, it was – they were so hot, got hot at the right time. And I just 
Because what I mean, what like their fifth championship since '99. I mean, they're just a solid program. Yeah, I mean, couple different coaches too. It's not like it was one yep. guy who's brought them up, but right. it, yeah, it's it's been kind of cool to see. They had a couple. I think they had two right in a you know a span of about three four years because of, you know they had Shabazz Napier for that little bit. I remember when I was kind of you know I was a little bit more into the NBA back then and. I was kind of the heat guy because I was really invested in D-Wade. And all of a sudden, they got Shabazz Napier, and I'm posting him on my social media, all excited about having right. a champ. So, I, you know, they, they've been a little dead for the past bit. So they've had a couple different coaches since then, of course. But Dan Hurley's good. He's really he good. And he is. He's a fun guy to watch. He gets fired up. So here's my here's my question to you. It's I've seen a lot on Twitter and stuff like that. Do you consider would you consider you kind of blue blood now? I I think that they were a blue blood beforehand. I, I, do I know think I know it's kind of in the conversations, but I mean I think you have to put them in there now. Yeah, most I mean, definitely, and they're gonna probably win. Um, they keep Dan Hurley there for five years. They win one more championship, and that doesn't seem like a lot for a blue blood. But think about everybody else. I mean, there's going to be shocking years. Some years you have the best team, you lose the first, second round. It's just the NCAA tournament is so unpredictable. The best teams don't always advance. Um, if the best team won this year, in my opinion, it would have been Arizona. I mean, oh yeah, hot take. I think that they were the – Alabama had the best season, but the best team, in my opinion, was Arizona. But UConn, I think going into it um, – I mean, of course, the people's top 10 had them at number six. You know, you take all the other people out of it and you just go with my brain. I would have had a top five. They were, they were hot, but not too hot. And they were, they were the best team beginning of the year in my mind. They were top five in the actual AP polls. Then they went on a little bit of a, you know, I don't know what to call it, but they, they faltered a bit. And I, by the time they hit like the middle of the Big East, um, ter- the Big East like season, they yep. picked it up, and that, they were they were picking it up at the right time. But sometimes you don't want to have to have won, you know, your last ten games. Sometimes there's such thing as too hot when it comes to the NCAA tournament because you're no, bound to lose one of them. So. I know. And that was kind of, you know, I listened to your episode a couple weeks ago with you and Reese talking about that. How you know you said you weren't a believer in Purdue, and I 100% agreed with that. Yeah. You know, we talked about the, you know, Reese talked about the guard situation. I completely agree with that. I mean, can you be a very dominant team with a seven foot three post who can move around a little bit? Yeah, but I mean, it's get a couple guys to lock them up and not give them a lot of chances. I mean, your team is in trouble if you, you know, rely on a big guy like that. Purdue had a bunch of people that could shoot the ball and not a lot of playmakers. And you yep. think that, so they were hot or they were not. You know, I'm not trying to take away from my earlier segments that I had back in the football season, but they were they were kind of hit or miss. They were going to put up a shit ton, beat people down, or they were going to keep pretty close games and hope they pull it out because they got Zach Eady just clogging up the middle. But sometimes yeah. they won't even hit their shots. And, you know, if you don't have a true playmaker like, uh, you know, Jaden Ivey was last year, it's hard because you got to get Eady open and, you know, at some point there's going to be a team that matches up okay with you. And what's fucking crazy, FA or uh, um, FDU, Farley Dickinson, smallest fucking team in the yeah, world. Yeah, they're like, weren't this like the 
330th smallest team out of the 350 some teams in D1. Yeah, or something, or something crazy like that. It's absolutely insane, and I, I get it. With with one given game, a team can hit all their shots or hit way more than usual, and you beat a better team. But this this wasn't that. This was a team literally. It felt like they were beating down on them, even though they had dudes over a foot shorter than Zach Eady right. like guarding them. It's it was fucking insane. Yeah. yeah. Oh, out of curiosity, who do you have national championship in your bracket? Who did I have? I did a couple of them. So one of them, like my work one, there was no money in it. It was bragging rights, and you got more points if you picked an underdog. Huh. So, God, I can't – I think I had like Iowa State going deep in that one just because you got more points that way. Yeah. But I think my one serious one, I think I picked Houston, which did not pan out as well either. Mm-hmm. Houston, uh, Houston was good. I never truly believed them. I knew they were a Sweet 16 team. They didn't have the offense, and with Sasser's injury coming into it, a little bit of a red flag because he does a lot for that team. And of course, they had yeah. multiple athletes, and their coach is phenomenal. Samson is one of the best in the business right now. I'm really excited to see them join a Power Five conference because. You know, they're starting to become like a Gonzaga where they're good every year and you start not necessarily believing their hype because, you know, even though they blow out everybody, they're favored by like 20 points on any given right. conference game. So it will be good to see them join a Power 5 conference here pretty soon. Yeah, and I was kind of late to that party with that bracket thing and I saw everyone else picking mm-hmm. Alabama or something like that. So I wanted to kind of go a different route. and yeah. Everyone was wrong. <laughs> and, and I'm going to say this. I think that ever since the Big East kind of merged into more of a Catholic conference, it's been still one of the – because Big East, back in – you know, back when we were in high school, so that we're talking like 2012 time frame, they had that triple buy for the best teams, and Kemba Walker had to go five, six rounds in like their own tournament, like in right. conference tournament time. It, ever since that happened, they haven't been getting as much love when it comes to the polls, when it comes to, you know, bracketology. And every single year, they're way better than you expect. I mean, you look at yeah. it. Villanova has won it, you know, that they've been a consistent threat in the Final Four, much less the championship some years. And, uh, you, you, you know, now you got Marquette coming on. Seton Hall's always a scary team. Every single year, it doesn't feel like they get much love when it comes to tournament time, and I think that they tend to usually overachieve. Uh, Providence has had a couple, you know, pretty good years too. They're they're tough. They win close yeah. games, and they're they seem to be kind of battle tested when it comes to these really, you know, either trap games or when they're even pretty big underdogs, where they tend to be underseeded. I, I think that every year you can go back and. Most people, most fans don't give them love in the brackets and who they choose. Neither do the bracketologists. And I think it's a common trend every year. And it kind of gets old seeing it. The, the one team this year that kind of got a lot of love was Marquette. And, you know, they were, I think they had the longest winning streak going into the tournament too. So it made sense. But that's one thing I will say that I noticed at the end of this whole season. Big East, not yeah. getting a ton of love. And you could say they had nobody in the final. Or my bad. They had UConn. But it's – I don't know. I 
I'm starting to notice it. So when this time comes again next year, I hope you remember my words. Maybe pick, oh, yeah. maybe pick the Big East coming into it. You know, they're tough. They're very yeah. tough, and everybody I loves. Do, it seems like Marquette always just finds some dog, dude. They're, they're hit or miss sometimes. They're always competitive, or, except for that one year where they had like eight people on their team. They're always competitive, but I mean, Big East play, you know, you're going to get worn down. You're going to get broken into. It's, it's tough. It's tough in that conference. And people right. say that about all their conferences. And I think the Big 12 was pretty good this year too. Big 10 was bad and nobody wanted to admit it until Purdue lost. And pretty yeah. much everybody but Michigan State lost right away. Right. You know, it's always dependent on the year, but I think the most consistent conference throughout the last decade, I'd say it's the Big East. No, for sure. All right. Uh, you have any other thoughts on uh, the men's Final Four before we get into it? I think we'll do the people's top 10. We'll review yeah, man. it all. Dive right in. All right, guys. So this is the official 2023 People's top 10 for college basketball. No other polls. I'll release it later on uh, Twitter. By the way, if you don't follow us, you know, first of all, follow this page on Spotify so you get notifications when it comes on. Follow us on Twitter. We got a lot of good stuff. It's at untitled underscore the pod. We'll release this so you can see it in a good visual after the show. All right, guys, this is the 2023 college basketball people's top 10. I'll, after it's all over, I'll get your thoughts on it, Gunner. Uh, but for right now, I'm just going to roll down through quick. At number one, to no surprise, it is the University of Connecticut, the Huskies, the national championship. They killed everybody on their road. Um, you know, they had, they faltered through it in the, you know, towards the end, but they covered six straight to end the season. Incredible season. 6-0 and in your last six is a hell of a way to finish it because you don't need a – they didn't need a just win to cover these games. They had to ob <laughs> obliterate some teams. Regardless, on the season, they were 27-11-1 at the spread. Incredible season. Congratulations, Connecticut. At number two, we have Utah Valley State. 25-9 at the spread. They lost to UAB in the NIT semifinal, but they covered – and in fact, they had four straight covers to end the year. So congratulations to Utah Valley State. Incredible season. At number three, a little bit more of a familiar name, we have Florida Atlantic, you know, a fellow Final Four contender. 25-11-1 at the spread. They lost in the Final Four to San Diego State. They had three straight covers to end the year. Final Four run, incredible season. At number four, we have California State Fullerton. 29-2 and two at the spread on the year. They lost in the Big West Championship to Santa Barbara. So they didn't make the dance uh, due to their record. They were not able to make, you know, even the CBI. Regardless, good season for the California State Fullerton team. Number five, fun team. Arguably the most exciting team to watch in the big dance. Kansas State, 24-12 and 12 at the spread. Uh, in an Elite Eight run, they did end up losing to FAU. But reminder, FAU is number three in the people's top ten. So they may have not covered that game, but uh, Florida Atlantic, the amount of times they didn't cover is uh, astounding. So Kansas State, Wildcats, number five. At number six, 
Lil Mac Love. Toledo, 24 and 10 at the over. They lost to Michigan first round of the NIT, unfortunately. Uh, they did go under that game, so they're a little lower in the polls right now, but an incredible season scoring the basketball. Number seven, we have Grand Canyon University. Oh, a little, a little Western love over there, G. You feel some love? ECU, baby. That's, that's right. 20, 25 and nine at the over on the year. They lost the first round to Gonzaga in the tournament. They did go under that game. Astoundingly, too. But, you know, when it's 155 points, you know, you got to play a pretty good game to cover and go over that total point. So, Grand Canyon, congratulations. Number seven in the people's top 10. Number eight, we got Butler, 21, nine and two at the under. Big East love over here, baby. Second Big East team to come on already. They lost for, uh, they lost to St. John's first round of the Big East tournament. Under. Great under. Great game. Great defense. Slow pace. Not fun basketball. Great at the under, though. Number nine, we have the last, <laughs> the last people's top tens. Number one is currently finishing at the nine spot. Pittsburgh, 24-11-1 at the spread on the year. They lost to Xavier in the Sweet 16. Uh, they did kill Iowa State. Uh, sorry about that, G. Um, good, you know, not a fun game to watch. I'm glad I didn't watch it, but uh, they were underdogs in that game and kind of took it to them. Regardless, they ended up losing to Xavier, Big East team, might I add, Sweet 16. To round off the people's top 10 for the official 2023 year, we have Eastern Kentucky, 23-10-1 at the spread. They lost in the CBI championship to Charlotte, but might I add, they covered five and a half points. Regardless, they also get extra points because they're the Colonels, which I think is kind of a cool name. And they covered seven straight games to end the year, which is Pretty, pretty on pace with what UConn did to finish the year. So congratulations to Eastern Kentucky for rounding off our people's top 10. Great year. You know, the people spoke, we listened, and overall, the board approved. Congratulations to everybody that made it. It was a fun year, and I will make sure to put that out. And I'll also put another post to remind us who all the people were that were uh, in the top 10 throughout the year. So we'll include football and basketball back-to-back in an upcoming post. So that is the official people's top 10. Thoughts, G? Love it. Love it. No, man, you're definitely more in tune to the college basketball than I am. Because some of those names you're, you're going after, I'm like, really? But then you started telling the stats, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. But Yeah, Utah Valley State, number two spot. I They were not in the last people's top ten. They kind of went under the radar, but the people started speaking. I started listening. If there's one yeah. thing I need to do better in 2023 is I need to listen more, but I'm working yeah, on it, listen to guys. the people, man. It's always the people. I'm a man of the people. That's right. So, G, let's talk Masters. Let's talk some golf. What are your thoughts coming into one of the arguably the biggest golf weekend we're going to see all year? Absolutely, man. I mean, you can't argue, you know, there's four majors in the, in, in the PGA. The Masters, I feel like, is even if you're not a golf fan, you find yourself tuning in on Sunday to see who wins the Masters, who gets the green jacket. It's such a fun tournament. The field is always stacked. The people that get invited to are, are previous winners of forever. 
the top players go. Um, right now is going to be in, it's going to be interesting this year because there's a lot of spectacles on the lift tour starting. You know, are they going to be invited to the Masters? What's going to happen there? But they are having live players play the ones that have won it and some of the top dogs. So a lot, it's going to be really interesting. The field is super stacked this year. Um, with Augusta, Georgia, you never know what you're going to get for weather. If it's beautiful, you know, sometimes the scores go really low, but it's Georgia and the first weekend of first, second weekend of April. Um, it's going to be interesting, man. I mean, I looked it up cause I was kind of curious because, you know, the last few years, you're kind of seeing some low scores. I mean, Dustin Johnson won the Masters a yeah. few years ago, like 20 under par, which you're like, that's that's absolutely insane. No matter what PGA Tour yeah. it is, no matter what course you're playing, 20 under par in four days is insane. The average winning score for the Masters is only eight under par, <laughs> which honestly sounds pretty crazy. But then you think about it, you know, you kind of look back and a lot of Saturdays, which is going to be like this Saturday – it's rainy. The weather's not great. It's windy. It's a tight course. There's a lot of trees. Gets you into a lot of trouble. Um, I. It's so hard to tell. I mean, this Saturday, it's supposed. To, it was like a hundred percent chance of rain with twenty mile an hour wind gusts. So, it's hard, man. Saturday is always the push day. You know, you make the cut and then you gotta try to get back up towards the top. So, it, it's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting for sure. It's a really stacked field. There's a lot of really good players. I mean, Scotty, Rory, John Rahm, the three guys who are obviously on top of the list. They're one, two, three on the rankings. It's, it's anyone's game, man. It really is. I'm excited to watch. Yeah. I heard a little bit about Rory actually. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. I didn't look into it. I was trying to do a little bit of quick research before this. Cause I'm not a, I don't keep up too much with who's hot right now, but Rory kept up. He, he, he came up a couple different times What's going on with him? So the big thing with Rory, man, I mean, he's already won the other three majors. Um, the Masters would complete his Grand Slam. Grand Slam being you got to win, obviously, all four majors. And every year people think, you know, this has to be his year, has to be his year. And he kind of dipped off there for a few years. I mean, he's needed this to complete his Grand Slam since, like, I think 2013 or 14. And last year, the problem with Rory, it seems like, in the Masters is – he sticks around that cut area, and then all of a sudden Saturday, Sunday, he has a lot of ground to make up. Um, he got unreal hot last year. I don't know if you remember the clips from it last year in the Masters, but he posted an unreal round in the last nine holes and ended up finishing second place. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, who is unreal. So, And I think it would be s- such a big thing for the PGA, too, because Rory McIlroy – being in the PGA Tour for so long, I mean, he dominated for a lot of years, and he's really been the voice this year, the last two years, really, of why PGA is so much greater than Liv. He's really been the one who sticks his, you know, lets his voice be heard about why the PGA is the, you know, dominant league. So I think it would be great. I want Rory to win super bad. Um, we're going to talk about our pools a little bit. I definitely yep. have him winning just because I think it would be – absolutely huge the viewership would be unreal if rory ends up winning it so okay um, i think it's the big the big word is you know it's gonna be the big word until he does it if when rory completes the grand slam and wins the masters so rory would be if you had to pick one player it'd probably be rory or is that just your hopeful wishing so scott and rory are both plus 700 right now seven to one they're Mm -hmm. neck and neck but he's been playing really good golf. The Dell matchup last week where they 
do strictly match play. It doesn't matter strokes. You got to win more holes. Um, he did end up end up playing for the third place match against Scotty last week, and he beat Scotty Scheffler in the match play. Scotty has not beat him one on one many times, but it's it's hard to tell. I mean, I think his driver is unreal right now. <laughs> Again, it's I mean the guy drives at like three sixty sometimes. It's unreal, but his driver is so on point right now, which is not only long, but straight. I mean, he's putting it where he wants to, which is going to be huge for that course. Cause like I said, it is a tight course. So and his putting's good. I just, and it's hard to go back to back. I mean, Scotty won it last year. There's only been a handful of people that won, have won back to back masters, which was the last one was tiger yep. in 2002. He went back to back. So it's a lot of pressure for Scotty, obviously, but it's a lot of pressure. I mean, it's always pressure for Rory, but I, I really want to believe that Rory pulls it off this year. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Just because of that, I think I might, I might throw my bet on Rory, you know, just small because golf is really, <laughs> there's a reason the odds are pretty good. You could throw in yeah. 10 and I think you win 70 then if I heard you right. correct on. If you, if you pick the top top dog, 10 to win 70. Yeah. yeah which is actually pretty, you know, that's pretty low for a master's match. But at the same time, you know, there's a reason that the odds are saying it. It's because he's probably one of the favorites. So anyways, you brought this up a little bit, and I got to get your input. And I don't think we've ever talked about this whole, I don't want to call it an issue, but this whole circumstance on this show yet. Uh, What do you think about the live tour? It's... It's hard because, I mean, there's obviously people's morals saying that it's a Saudi league. The money's coming from, you know, oil, refined from people who work minimum. It's at the end of the day, some of these guys who are top golf. I mean, if you look at the list of people who join league, it's guys who are kind of out of their prime. They're competing, yes, but they're not with some of these younger guys. I mean, you have so many. Scotty Scheffler's like my age. Yeah. I mean, you look at him and it's like, what's going on? And this guy's just killing everybody. So, I mean, some of the guys, it's like, I play one last round. I, it's, you know, the big argument that they have is more time with my family and they're guaranteed money. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you watch the full swing, the full swing show on Netflix, but the big thing is, I mean, these guys are paying so much money to go to these tournaments. And, you know, the big thing on the, full swing which has been you know a lot of people make jokes about it but you play for two days and if you don't make the cut you walk away with zero dollars so a lot of these guys saw it as i have a family i'm probably technically out of my prime Mm. um if i can take a guaranteed hundred million dollars why wouldn't i so (laughs) the phil i don't blame i don't blame them (laughs) i don't i don't watch it but again all all the Best players besides maybe, you know, arguably a couple, maybe like DJ. Yeah. I mean, Patrick Reed's thrown in a few good years, but you still got the, in my mind, the best golfers sticking with the PGA. In general, the top of the top, except for maybe the exception of a few, uh, they've still stuck uh, pretty strong with the PGA. It's kind of funny because live through all that money though, and all of a sudden PGAs, you know, they, they kind of made some adjustments, and you wonder. Yeah, they, go on. No, I was just saying the PGA. They definitely made adjustments, which I think needed to be done anyway. Upping the purse, you know, they're paying players more, which is good. Um, they are making adjustments of if your name brings more money to golf, we're going to pay you more. So I think that's a huge thing too. Yeah, that is pretty good. 
I I know that you know they they might have needed a little bit of competition, so they opened some things up like that. And you wonder if the more adjustments they make, I mean, yeah, they're gonna get big checks, but for the really good ones, they you know they don't need a ton more. So you wonder if how sustainable live might be. I mean, do you think it's a gonna be a forever thing or do you think that pga just makes a couple more regulation changes all of a sudden it's back to what we used to see for for what the viewerships are showing that Liv is bringing up i i can't see it going a super long time i mean they're just they're on weird channels you gotta get weird subscriptions to watch their events i just i saw Liv was in actually tucson arizona here a few weeks ago oh. The only ad I saw about it was like on a random ad on Facebook. Like I didn't hear anyone talking about it. I work in an office with a bunch of golf fans. And yeah. are you going to live? And they're like, why, why would I go? To, why would I go to the live tournament? I mean, it's just I just I don't see it being for what they're promoting it to be. How far away is Tucson from you? It's probably hour hour and a half. Oh, pretty doable then. Okay. Yeah. Wow. No, I didn't even realize that. I don't know where they go. Um, to be honest, I hardly know where the PGA goes on a weekly basis, except for a couple main big ones that are on ESPN being advertised months in advance sometimes. So, yeah. Oh, wow. I had no idea that they were even coming that close to you, but that's kind of neat. Um, would you, yeah. I mean, if they were in Scottsdale, which they might go, wouldn't they? I mean, Scottsdale's a, a hub for golf. I would think I, I would think they'd be you know continuing to open up more events in the United yeah. States stuff like that. I mean I'm not definitely not opposed to going to it. I mean I'm still a fan of Dustin Johnson. I think he's a super cool dude. Obviously a great golfer. Um, no, I don't think I'd be opposed to. It. I'm not like a whatever shunning the live. I'm not like one of those people, but I don't think I'd be opposed to going to it. I just I wasn't intrigued to be like, oh my god, I gotta go watch this. They're in Tucson. I gotta go watch this live tournament. I wonder what the ticket price difference between a PGA um, tournament is and the live. You ever looked know. at that? I haven't. No. Hmm. All right. Anyways, yeah. That, anything else to say about the Masters? Otherwise, maybe we'll, you know, I'll work into the pool we talked about beforehand. Oh, I'm trying to think because I, I did write down some notes. Yeah. So I don't know. So today was the big day. It's kind of a fun day, which is cool that the Masters does. Um, they do the par three contest. Yeah. They do a little par three course, have a good time. Like their wives are the caddies, the kids are running <laughs> around in the white suits, which is pretty funny. A couple of cool things. I don't know if you saw Seamus Powers, which I can, it's the third time it's ever happened. I can't believe it's happened this many times. Seamus Powers, he's not obviously a big name, but he hit back to back hole in ones on this par three contest. Oh, shit. Which is absolutely, which is absolutely insane. Um, Tom Hoagie, this is something to, put in the back of your mind and maybe finish in a top 30 maybe he huh. won the par three contest so obviously his wedges are good yeah nice. um doing good this week picking uh, up scotty scheffler did hit a hole in one that was pretty sweet um just another couple of key notes i mean i just i wrote down the last 10 years of winners and like i said you know the average score being eight under par Besides, like I said, a couple outliers, DJ being 20 under three, four years ago, three years ago, Spieth won it. looks like seven years ago at 18 under. Everyone's kind of right around the 10, nine, eight. Um, one crazy, I don't know if you remember, I was 10. Um, you would have been like eight or nine. You remember when Zach, Zach Johnson won it? You know, I won. oh, 
it, it kind of rings a bell, but I don't know if I would have been aware yeah, at that it's time. Like John, I'm from Iowa. He's had a great career in the PGA. Oh, he's an he's Iowa boy. Just, he's an Iowa. Oh, boy. hey, I might bet on him instead, dude. dude. So I just remember him winning. Don't remember what the score was or anything, so I looked this up. His winning score that year in 2007 must have been terrible weather. I, I was 10, can't remember. was one over par for the entire tournament. <laughs> Tiger Woods was still, like, kind of in his prime, and he got, like, third, second or third place at three over par. Man, dude, there must have been a hurricane going on or something. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, Augusta National, if the weather's bad, man, it makes that course tough. So we'll just see. You know, they're predicting kind of wind and rain Saturday, so I, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and that's the big viewership day, too. That might be, you know, that might be kind of, it might kind of stink when everybody's finally off work. They're going to just enjoy a whole day hanging out on their couch, and all of a sudden, oh, boy, those scores are starting to get positive again. So, But the same, but the same point for the regular golfer, it's like, these people are human. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, just to get into it a little bit more, I mean, there's a big thing that PGA wants to do some, you know, different stuff with equipment guys are using. They want to, you know, adjust different balls that people are using. So people like Rory aren't hitting it. Aren't, he literally drove a 375 yard par four last week or two weeks ago. Yeah. That's a tough thing because for, you know, me being just the average Joe goes golfing maybe once a week. It's fun to go watch a tournament and see a guy absolutely kill the ball. Yeah. But it's tough. Some people are like, you know, let's watch them, you know, maybe hit a 300-yard drive and try to, you know, use every club in their bag. Because some of these guys hit it so far, it's like driver, wedge. <laughs> you know, Get rid so of the irons. It's, yeah, it, it'll, it's interesting, but we'll see if PGA goes through with the – with the adjustments of the equipment and stuff like that guys are using, but now with bad weather, that would usually give an would that give an advantage to the the people that drive really well then? Or does it really uh, not the windy, matter? The windy rainy? Yeah. I mean, usually guys who I can hit the ball pretty far, I'll be honest with you. When it gets windy, it gets a little sketchy because I mean we hit the ball so far in yeah. the air, so high, so it can carry. So it's if it's windy like that and bad gusts, I mean, if you hit it that hard in the air, it's hard to tell if, if a gust of wind's going to come and kind of throw your ball to the left, and then you're in a bunker, or you're in some thicker rough. So I don't think it's a big advantage if it's if it's a little windier. Yeah, so but it, the, it the wetness, cool. though, what I was kind of wondering is with the wetness, it might be harder to putt. So the last time you're on the green... I, that, that was kind of my yeah, idea. So if, it's more, if it's more wet, you're kind of expecting the greens to be slower. So the reeds, I mean, the reeds will affect a little more. Some people like it when it's dry, where it's quick. So you can kind of find your line and just kind of, you know, put it and let your ball do the work. But when it's more wet, you have to really, it's more than likely not going to break as much. And you have to hit it a little harder, which at that point, you know, it kind of messes with your head a little bit. Because some people are like, you know, you got a four foot putt and it's, fast some people like to hit it harder anyway just to try to hit the center of the cup or you can hit it slower and let the you know see where the how the ball rolls so uh -huh. everyone's got a different putting stroke everyone has a different way of doing it i guess i mean now with the pga rule you know a few years back changing where you used to not be able to leave the pin in uh -huh. when you're putting some people like the pin in and say hey i'm gonna try and bang it right in the center of the cup and just let the pin stop the ball so i think when it's windy and wet like that, it's definitely going to be a challenge to a lot of guys. But for a lot of these good wedge players, it's just going to allow them to 
you know, be able to put more spin on the ball. Oh, yeah. And literally, literally, I mean, these guys will be throwing darts if it gets wet out there. <laughs> and it's just, the ball's just going to stick right next to it. So it's, every golfer, you know, plays a little bit different, but, you know, it's it's so hard to tell. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, any, any other notes? Uh, because I think there's a, just a lot of casual fans that watch this. I know a lot of people are a little more invested in the football that watch this. So any insights you have, you know, are definitely helpful for the casual fan. I mean, you golf all yeah, the man. time. I, I don't golf a ton, and I still learn things. I'm, I'm kind of the type of golfer that would go out three, four times, pretty nice day, you know, a, a Saturday or a Friday off. So a lot I can learn, and I guarantee there's a, a shit ton that all the listeners can learn. Yeah, man. I mean, I think right now that a lot of people would love to see do good are some of the fan favorites, meaning, meaning Max Homa, super cool dude on, the, on, you know, on the PGA right now. He, his voice is all over Twitter. He loves tweeting at people. <laughs> garbage, too. I'm like, people tweet at him. He tweets back, which is super cool. Um, I can see Max Homa doing pretty well. I don't think he's going to win it. I mean – his big thing is he wins a lot of tournaments, but if you look at it, he wins a lot of tournaments in his home state of California. So he's very used to those types of golf courses. Um, very good player. Also, Will Zalatoris, if you saw the memes of him when he's, you know, started coming up, you know, in the last year and a half, he looks like Happy Gilmore's caddy. Um, <laughs> Shit, really? I got to look this guy up. Oh, yeah, you got to look it up, dude. He looks, especially when he had kind of his longer hair, but he's another guy that I can see doing pretty well just because – He's long. He's pretty. He's a pretty long player, but he also plays very smart and conservative. Um, it's. Are you looking at it right now? I am, dude. He's got the rosiest fucking cheeks. My man looks like a skinny version of Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Will Zalatoris, great iron player, great wedge player. The biggest thing is his putting stroke is awful. I don't know. Some of these guys get in a bad swing and it's just their putting, their putter just lives in their head absolutely mm-hmm. rent free. So that's, what's going to kill him. But I can, I hate saying it. I, like I said, I don't go against live players, but I can see maybe some live players coming out and doing really well. Like um, DJ or what? I can see DJ's always good, man. Yeah. Um, is it Cam Cam Smith? He's a great player. He beat Rory what was a year or two ago um, at St Andrews. He's always super good. So I'm just, it's gonna be tough, man. I but I think you know you see the top three favorites: Scotty, Rory, Rom. I really think one of them comes out on top. Yeah. I mean that's just and, and obviously the big story of the Masters is always is Tiger Woods gonna compete. I mean, that's obviously always the big story. I mean, he's played pretty decent this year. I mean, there's no argument against that, but for him to compete against these younger guys, and especially yeah. with how his body – you never know if he's going to be sore on Friday and withdraw. I mean, that's just yep. the, you know, the story of it. But luckily, you know, at Augusta, you know, it's not a super hilly course. He's not going to be going up and down hills. So we should – you know, I would think his body would manage that pretty well too. Um, now at this point in his career, I think the real question is, does he make the cut? When you say, I or I, didn't I think he, he didn't make it last year, did he? Mm, no. But that was 
more prior. I mean, that wasn't too. Uh, Donowski wasn't too far after his accident. I mean, that was kind of. He wasn't too far into yeah. getting back into it. Um, you know, he showed. God, what, what was the last tournament he played in? I can't even remember what it was called, but I should have looked it up. But he shot a really good first round. And then he was kind of scrappy, stayed right around part of the second round. And then it was kind of back and forth. You know, it was couple birdies here then he would you know slip a bogey in there mm-hmm. but i mean his wedge game i mean tiger's wedge game is still super good it's just depends on how his body's feeling and i mean it's it's so hard i think he'll make the cut i really okay. do I, you know like we were talking about earlier with the good wedge game maybe that helps him out if he's able to continue on you know on saturday for sure and yeah. i think with tiger as well you know he's been around the game for so long we're I don't think weather's going to bother him yeah. as much as some of the younger guys on the tour. Yeah, I mean, he's so used to it. So I think that's a big advantage for him too. If the weather is kind of crappy, um, but at the same point, I mean, I think long hitters are going to do really well at this course. And I don't know if you're you're probably not super into you know yardages of courses and how that plays out. But Augusta, they made a few adjustments. I mean, their course is playing roughly 7,500 yards, which is a pretty dang long course. So mm-hmm. that's why my bet is more so on Rory, just because he's such a long player. Oh, yeah. And some of these par fours, there are some long ones at Augusta for sure, but he can hit it so far. And if his driver is on point like it has been, he can get himself in some really good positions where he's hitting his wedge, which he's good at as mm-hmm. well. So yep. that's why I'm so much sold on Rory. Yeah, that makes sense, though. And I... That was the main one that popped up. Um, I did listen to one thing. I think you know this podcast. It's that foreplay um, mm-hmm. barstool because I was, you know, this was in April after the boycott was officially over. Uh, I listened to obviously, you know, uh, son of a boy dad first, but you know, Chicago's a lot of time. I mean, I can't listen to music for a whole six and a half hours both ways. So I, right. uh, Sam Howell came on. He seemed like a pretty cool guy. I don't know if you've listened. Sam Howell, yeah. They get, I mean, they get a lot of good guys. They really, you know, strive for golfers with personalities. Yeah. Like, he's another guy who has a great personality. I mean, there's some guys who are – PGA, I guess not so much, but there's some guys who are just really serious about it. It's hard to have a conversation with them. <laughs> kind of dry. But yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, they do attract really good guys who have good personalities you can, you know, carry a good conversation with, but – yeah, man, Foreplay does a really good job of, you know, getting guys into, you know, kind of more personal level than strictly golf levels. So, yeah, Simpow, yeah, cool guy. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of other little side notes I have about the tournament. It's just with Scotty, with Scotty, Rory, and Ron being just absolutely dominant in whatever tournament they're in, it's just hard to steer away from those three guys. Yeah. That's true. And, and we can come back to it too. I mean, what we, what we might be able to do to kind of initiate the brain too is go through some of those pool, go through that pool we were yeah, talking about earlier. Absolutely. And then I'll bring up like a bunch of different people as well. Cause I'll have to list off some names and we can talk about the favorites and you know, you can even add in comments of some other people. Cause obviously towards the top tiers of these pools, we're going to kind of talk about yep, just a absolutely. second, uh, especially at the top, there's a lot of big names up there. Uh, yeah, for sure. So if you're ready for that, I'll, I'll kind of bring that up. Yeah, go for it. All right. So I sent that to you just a little bit ago, too, so you can kind of reference it on your phone so you're not just listening. And for the viewers listening, 
I will, uh, I'll plan to put something out on Twitter so you can follow along as well. Uh, so it's just not like a list that's coming out. Uh, as I, you know, as I said earlier, uh, Twitter page is at untitled underscore the pod. Here's what it is. So I'm about to be into a fantasy, uh, basically a master's pool. Uh, the rules of it are you basically have six tiers and you select only one player from each tier. Uh, at least out of these six tiers, at least six of my picks must make the cut, which for those of you that aren't familiar, um, after, is it a day gunner, the top 50 get picked or is it two days? Two. So they pretty much dang near cut the field in half. Yep. So 50 players. Uh, and if you're tied at 50, you make the cut too. Uh, after that, uh, basically I have to pick who's still playing out of these tiers that we're going to list off. So what me and Gunner are trying to pick is somebody that's going to not only make the cut, but we want to pick the best player that we think is going to go the longest because after the cut's done, my best four players are counting towards my score. So we want the lowest score possible in this instance. So I'll start it out. So here's the first tier, which a lot of these most people are going to be familiar with, especially as casual fans. Out of tier one, we have John Ram, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Cameron Smith, Patrick Cantlay, Jason Day. Yep. Yeah, like I was talking to Travis for you how time here. I'm literally in a very similar pool, so everything, you know, pans out the same way. And again, I mean it's they pretty much just go from most favorite to least favorite and break it down to six tiers. So this is where, you know, I did mine already. I might do another one if I get crazy, but <laughs> I everyone everyone picks Scotty. They want him to go back to back, which is not a bad pick at all, but I Jordan Spieth is another one who's always up there. He's such a good golfer, man. Um, he can get streaky really fast. He's just doesn't do anything super ballsy that some of these guys do. He's just very consistent with his game. But I, I, I picked, I picked Rory. Yeah, I want Rory to win super bad, so that's why I picked him. But yep, and that's that's who I'll go with too, especially from what we've talked about so far. I think Rory or Scotty is good, but to be honest, I'd rather pick Roy because I'm probably going to throw an actual bet like for him to win the whole tournament. Yeah, so that's that, one of those that's that's one of those things where I read a lot of stuff that people were putting out there and it was pretty much, I mean, flip a coin of who you think's going to win. Yep. I mean, that's really what I mean. Uh, we're so close. Yeah. Then that's, uh, you know, everybody in that pool for that first tier is pretty good. But in general, you kind of want to pick the player that you think might win. And I'd rather just double down on Rory, if I'm being honest. But, you know, there's times where maybe I might take Scotty for this one. I got my tier one pick. But well, that's, the beauty, that's the beauty of live betting, baby. Hell yeah. So we move on to tier two. And, you know, as we said earlier, we just pick one of these list of people I'm about to say. So we got Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, uh, Tony Finau. Am I saying that right? Finau. 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 Uh, Xander Shuffle. Xander Cameron Young. Dustin Johnson. Max Homa. So on this one, again, the two and, the two and three tier is so tough because yep. it's all guys who – I mean, Justin, I mean, you can argue that they're dominant. I mean, they consistently, you know, go in the top 10, which for this pool is a pretty good way to look at. I mean, you want guys who are obviously make the cut. Um, I know I picked DJ just because of his, 
you know, record and resume that he has at the Masters. I mean, like I said, three years ago, he won at 20 under par, which is absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, he, he did go to live, which hurt my heart a lot because he was my favorite golfer, but he's such a good golfer, man. I mean, he's one of those guys who's hits the ball really far. He's constantly straight. I mean, yep. he's got such a good all-around game, but any, any of the picks are really good, especially – JT hasn't been yep. dominant. I mean, he won a turn. You know, he won a nice tournament last year, a couple tournaments maybe last year. Kyle Marikawa, another younger guy who's super good. But for my, I pick DJ. Yep. Just because I respect the guy, he has done very well at the Masters. Which yeah, be familiar with the course for sure. Yep. And I kind of was eyeballing uh, Xander Shuffle or. Uh, not only not only because he had a pretty funny name, but I've heard about him. He's kind of a hard mm-hmm. name to forget when they put him on ESPN too, just because you know it's not Justin Johnson, it's not you know Justin Thomas. It's you know it sticks out a little bit. I'll pick DJ because I agree. I think that uh, I think that he has the best upside out of anybody. Like in my opinion, I think that he could miss the cut, but he also could win the whole thing. So, yep. So, yeah, with that tier two, I would seriously either I would ser- I'm not even joking with you, even though you said it. I'm, I would say Dustin Johnson or Xander Shoffley. Mm-hmm. I mean, Xander has he's gotten in good position just because he's thrown it. I mean, uh, he had an albatross here about a month ago or so, which is he had a two on a par five, oh. which is absolutely insane. Hold out from like 200 some yards out, but. Either of those two picks, DJ or Xander, I think is your best bet. Yep, I'll go with uh, DJ for this one. Uh, now we'll move on to Tier 3, and it's the list is going to slowly start getting a little bit longer, but bear with me. Um, if you're looking at it, too, from what I sent you, uh, you might have yep. to correct me on some of these. <laughs> so the first yeah. one, we uh, we start out with Sung Jai Im, which I don't even yep. sure. Sung Jai Im. Sung Jai Im. <laughs> Victor Hovland. Will Zalatoris, uh, a.k.a. Um, Skinny Santa Claus. Sam yeah. Burns, Corey Connors, Brooks Kepka, uh, Yoquan Neiman. Yep, Joaquin, Joaquin Neiman. <laughs> Dude, it all depends on that point. It all depends on where you're from and how. Yep. I mean, he might pronounce it like that. But. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Hideki Matsusuma, uh, Matsuyama. Matsuyama, Shane Lowry, yeah. Tyrell Hatton. Yep, which is, again, man, I made those comments about Will, but his putter is so scary. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Hideki won it three or two years ago. So yeah. um, I know. Who did I pick for that one? Yeah, I picked I picked Brooks, who's also a live guy. Mm-hmm. They had a big story about him, you know, on, on full swing if you watched it. <laughs> Super good golfer. He kind of went in. I think that's the reason he went to live. He kind of went on, you know, a couple down years where he's like, you know, I could provide my family with 80, hundred million guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. He's won two recent live events. So obviously he's playing really well. So that was my, you know, thoughts behind that. I think if you want to get ballsy, you could do Will Zalatoris, but <laughs> again, man, I just, Song JM is a super good young player as well, but Will Zalatoris' putting scares me, especially at Augusta. Um, Joaquin Neiman, he's put fat Miss Fat Pat Mitz Fitzpatrick. Wow, now I'm screwing up. Matthew Fitzpatrick, another really good player. I just he has won a major, which is super cool, but it was also at a more familiar home course. I mean, he won uh 
an amateur tournament there as well. So it was kind of, you know, he was super comfortable with the course mm-hmm. and I think that helped him a lot. So I, I picked Brooks just on the fact that he's been around for a long time and he's been really hot at the live tournament. Yeah. As much as I want to take skinny Santa Claus, I think I'll, I'll take Brooks too. He's one of the names. I know. And that's, I mean, when you get down to these lower tiers, it's super hard to pick, but I just <laughs> going off, going off Will Zalatoris' putting stroke recently it's just he had a super good year last year i mean you can look up a video when you have free time and look at his putting stroke and you're like oh my god how is this guy a pro golfer (laughs) now we'll move into tier four and i just gave it a quick glance and there's only three people i think i recognize from this list but i'll name them off anyways we got tommy fleetwood who's one of them that i actually do recognize c joe kim did i say that right See Wu Kim. See, yeah. see Wu Kim. Kind of a cool name. I like Wu Kim. Uh, anyways, Tiger Woods, know him. Justin Rose, Min Wu Lee, Patrick Reed. Ooh, that is a tough one. Ju Young Kim. Ju Young Kim. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that guy. Either, <laughs> Adam Scott, Bryson DeChambeau, uh, who I know. Kurt Kitayama. Ooh, cool name again, too. Louis. <laughs> oh, damn it. It sounded cooler when I said it. Uh, Louis Ustuzen. That, I don't like that name yep. as much. A little too tricky with the double O's. But all right. What do you think, Gunner? Yeah, man. I mean, that's, this is where I said it really gets hard because they're all middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. Um, Tommy Fleetwood, super good golfer, young golfer. Um, there's. It's it's hard to pick Tiger in this just because mm-hmm. again you don't know what his health's going to be like. Um, you got Justin Rose, who's a veteran, really good golfer. Um, Minwoo Lee, Patrick Reed, I good golfer. I just for some reason the whole when he won the Masters here, what the heck did I have it right down like five years ago, six years ago? I just for some reason in my head, I'm like, this is a fluke. It's one of those things where he just got hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. Adam Scott, I believe he's won it before, but you know, he's an older guy as well. I think out of this group, that's what gets so hard out of this group. If you're going to pick someone, I would pick Siwoo Kim, mm. young guy, great player. And Justin Rose, just because he's a veteran, but he's, He's a consistent veteran. He's actually been having a pretty dang good year. I mean, he's really been at the top of a few of the tournaments that he, you know he's played in. We're not even he, we're not even thinking Deshambo. No, Deshambo. <laughs> dude, I don't know if you remember, you probably don't remember this. So I think it was like two three years ago. It was his first time at the Masters, and he one of those guys hits the ball super far. Yep. He came out saying that I since I hit the ball so far, I view the masters as like a par 67 which is like starting off at like whatever four five six under par and he did not play well at all like i mean he was i actually remember he, that that was all over espn that yeah, week. He, made himself like an, he made himself look like an idiot he's on live now too mm-hmm. i haven't seen his name hardly at all on the live tour He's just at some of those wide open courses, he can do really well because he can spray the ball a little bit and still be fine. But at a toy, at a tight course like Augusta, I just don't, yeah. I just don't see it. So you, so you said uh, Justin Rose or Siwoo Kim? That's what I would do. Yeah, yeah that's that's what I have. I might go with Justin Rose. That's uh, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you at all, man. I mean, he's just a good vet. I mean, he's not old. 
He's a good vet, and I just – I would trust that more. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll move on to Tier 5. and tier Guys, Tier 5 and Tier 6, uh, there's a lot more people, but th- there's probably not as many talking points. We got uh, Taylor Gooch. <laughs> Shit, it's fucking hilarious. You're, you're going to pick him. <laughs> no, I, I didn't even – looking at it, it's spelled G-O-O-C-H, and I didn't even – That's exactly how you said it. I didn't even realize it until I said it. That's funny as hell. Uh, Tom Hogue, or Hoagie, um, Keith Mitchell – Seamus Power, we brought him up earlier. Abraham Answer, Sahith Thigala, yep. Keegan Bradley, Sergio Garcia, Danny Willett, Thomas Peters, Brian Harmon, Billy Horschel, Russell Henley, Mito Pereira, Chris Kirk, Phil Mickelson, ooh, live guy, Mackenzie Hughes, Ryan Fox, and Alex Noren. Yeah, so for this group, again, I mean – so, yeah, I, I mentioned Tom Hoagie won the three-point contest. I think his wedges are looking really good right now. Seamus Power hit the back-to-back hole-in-the-ones of the three-point con- three uh, tournament today. Abraham Answer, um, he might still be an amateur. I'm not really sure. I have to look into it. But Sahith Thagala, he was a rookie last year, put in some great tournaments. Um, he was – last year was – pretty much right up there, kind of ahead of the pack for the waste management actually last year. And, you know, Scotty out on a hot streak and Sahith, you know, double bogey to hole or whatever. But this is kind of where you're getting into, you know, you have some amateurs, you have some new guys, and then you have a lot of veterans as well. Guys who've been have been in it for a long time. Yeah. I mean, Sergio and Phil, they both have had great careers, but I think they're just too, you know, far out of it. And, you know, the, Sergio has not really – when he was in the PGA, he hasn't really put anything together the last few years. Phil kind of had that breakout major when he was 50 years old. But I think on this, you got to go with a young guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Sahith Thagala is a hard one to look past. He's played good golf. From this group, though, I would – Tom Hoagie. I would say Tom Hoagie. I mean, he's – his resume – his resume is – Taylor Gooch, Tom Hoagie, and Keith Mitchell, in my mind, I know they're in the top of this kind of yep. tier. I think those are one of the guys that you'd go with. And if I would say one of them, I mean, maybe I'm biased because he did really good at the three-point – or God, I keep saying three-point – the th- par three yep. contest today. That kind of says a lot about what your wedges are looking like. I mean, obviously, he threw a lot of really good shots in at these par threes. He made a lot of putts. It's hard to look past that. I know it's a lot more – you know, laid back than when the Masters actually starts, mm-hmm. but. You know, it, it stinks not to pick Taylor Gooch, but I'll pick Hoagie. It does, but dude, I mean, I. <laughs> yeah. and, that's, and that's what I was saying, you know, before we started recording, once you get down to these tier five, tier six, I mean, it's just luck of the draw, really. I mean, yep. these are younger guys and it's, you know, one of the biggest stages on golf and, you know, let's see who can handle the pressure. Yep. Now, and that's kind of the big thing about with Sahith the Gala. I mean, he had all that pressure on him when he was, you know, up at the waste management last year in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And not that he choked, but, you know, he did hold on to the lead. So I, yeah, I mean, you take your pick at Taylor Gooch, Tom Hoagie, or Keith Mitchell. I mean, Okay. We'll, we'll roll with Tom, Tom Hoagie. I think Tom Hoagie is what I'm going to say. Yep. What's that? Well, I'll roll with Tom Hoagie on that. At this point, um, 
moving into tier six, especially, I need to make sure I'm still playing when it comes to the day after the cutoff because I need four of my six to make it in yep. order to be eligible. So when I name all these tier sixes on the list, pretty much I'll just uh, I'll plan to have it be what's the safest bet. You know what I mean? Yep. I already, I already see a name on there. We can go through the names. <laughs> okay. Uh, we got Adrian Muronk, uh, Jason Oh my God, this is going to be a tongueful. Cockrook, Harris, uh, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> Harris English. When you, get, when you get down to these guys, it's like amateurs that get invited to, and it's hard to. I mean, they've never really been on the scene yet. But. Yep. Harold Varnell, Varner the Third, Taylor Moore, Kevin Na, Gary Woodland, J.T. Poston. Ooh, Bubba Watson's in there. Uh, Francesco Molinari. Ooh, Italian man. I kind of want to go with him. Is he good, Gunner? What was his name again? I'm not looking at the video. Francesco Molinari. Molinari, he's he's a yeah, he's he's pretty good. I like that. A little Italian yeah. love. Um Adam Svesson, Cameron Champ, KH Lee, Gordon Sargent, Kevin Kisner, Zach Johnson. Ooh, okay. I know that name. Scott Stallings, Sepp Skraska. Um, to be honest, this list is so long, I might just stop there. And yeah, what, what do you I think? Mean, I can name a couple. A couple of these names that I'm seeing up there, I mean, Fred Couples, he's been a good golfer for a long time. But again, I just think some of these younger guys kind of, mm-hmm. it's a hard, it's hard to go from you're a veteran, but maybe you're out of it. I mean, if you want to pick a guy, if you want to pick a guy to make the cut, I'm just kind of going through this list right now. I know I picked Sepp Straka mm. on my tier six. Just because, you know, I've seen his name quite a few times, kind of not necessarily winning, but, you know, making a good name for himself and being up there. Uh, Kevin Kistner is a good player as well. He's been around for a little bit. Um, Bubba, I don't think he's won it before, but that was quite a while yep. ago. I don't really see him making making anything crazy, but... Of the three that I really feel comfortable with in this tier six is Harold Varner the third, Sepp Straka, and Kistner. And I pick Sepp Straka for mine because yeah, I don't know if I'm at, I, I'm in a very similar bracket, yep. you know, kind of tier thing that Travis is in. And I pick Sepp Straka. I just felt comfortable with that. Perfect. Well, I got my tiers. I uh, I think this is the winning. I think I have the winning bracket in the pool. Connor, I really do. We put all the most intelligent. What a weight weight on these shoulders right now, man. Let me tell you. Dude, I got the expert on. Nobody else had a podcast, did this pool, and had an expert on. So, also, I guarantee there's just a shit ton of people like me that just looked at the people that they knew, too. I guarantee that you follow this stuff way more than anybody else that's in this pool I'm about to join. So... It's kind of nice. Makes me feel good. So everybody, if you're watching the Masters, can you make sure to cheer on Rory McIlroy, especially because I'm going to put in my actual bet for Rory to win it. Dustin, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Justin Rose, Tom Hoagie, Sepp Straka. So make sure you keep them on your radar, guys, for anybody listening to this before it all starts up tomorrow. It's a quick, quick turnaround, you know, Wednesday to Thursday. So hopefully we get some people that might be able to get the good inside, you know, inside news beforehand. So, absolutely, man. And just a couple. I mean, I'll just kind of mention a couple bets that I have out there that 
I have a couple safe bets. I mean, one bet I took Scheffler, McElroy, Round, I'll get top 20. Um, just because they're li- not even arguably the three best players uh-huh. on the tour right now. Spieth, Homa. Homa's been really streaky the last couple of years. I have him top 30. And then Matt Fitzpatrick, top 40. That's, I would say, probably my more, I don't know if you'd say daring bet, but uh-huh. I. I read a lot of podcasts too that Scotty Scheffler, it's going to be hard to win back to back, but I still think he makes top 10. Yeah. Um, Morikawa, McElroy, both top 20, JT, top 30. I mean, there's just this pool with the Masters is so, the field is so loaded. It's hard to, almost hard to put money on one guy, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sticking with Rory just because I, A, he's such a good golfer. He can hit the ball long and straight. That's a big yeah. thing with this course. I I want to believe it's his time. It'd be so good for the PGA Tour. So I'm, I'm, I I put money on Rory individually winning. So we'll see what happens. It's it's anybody's guess. Oh yeah, that would be kind of cool. And hey, I'm gonna be a little bit richer if it happens. So that'll be nice. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, any other comments on the Masters? Otherwise, that's all I have on the agenda for today, man. I don't think so, man. The only thing I'd say is, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, man, if you haven't really dove into golf or you think golf is boring man you tune in to saturday sunday for the masters and i guarantee you you're going to be interested in it because it's it's a cool tournament to watch oh yeah it's great for casual fans it's literally the the spot to like get into golf even if it's for just one weekend because you know even with you know baseball golf a lot of those uh, season goes on and it's almost like it hardly ever stops with the season so i get not watching it you know all the time or every weekend, but this is, this is the weekend to check it out for sure. So yeah, capture it. Also, I forgot this, uh, Gunner, you got a, and I'm looking at it right now on the screen. It says Gunner golfs. You're the Instagram page. Yeah, man. It was last year, right? When, you know, when I was in Iowa, you start golfing luckily by Easter. So I was like, you know what, man, I got a lot of funny videos and clips of me and my friends golfing, drinking beer out there. So I started a golf account called Gunner golfs. Check it out. One of my videos actually, I don't know if you call it viral, but every once in a while, I mean, it's, I still get a bunch of likes on it. I got one post that has over 1,400 likes. Oh, yeah. Um, I drove a par four, which is pretty sick. And, it, I mean, it's just a funny count that I post. Sometimes I post, you know, me playing a hole or me and my buddies out there shotgunning beers while we're golfing. <laughs> so I just try to have fun with it. So, yeah, man, give it a follow. Yeah, dude. Well, yeah, awesome, dude. I'm, I'm glad you asked to be on. I'm glad, uh, glad to have you on because, I mean, this – I almost forgot about it because I was so invested in, you know, thinking about the Brewers in Chicago past weekend that literally Masters is around the corner. So thanks for reminding me about that. This was a, a great thing to talk about today. Yeah, man, for sure. It's, I mean, golf is something I'm passionate about and I love talking about it. So with you having a sports podcast, I figured it'd be a great something for your viewers to kind of get, you know, another insight on other than, you know, the usual college football, college basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you're going to dive into NBA playoffs here soon, but I thought it'd be a fun little segment to kind of talk about. And obviously I'm passionate about it. So I was hope give a little insight about maybe what's going to happen this Masters. I hope I'm not totally wrong, but I think I have, <laughs> I think, I think I'm pretty confident with some of the picks I have. So. You know what? You can't be more wrong than Reese was on his episode just a couple weeks back because I think that he went one for eight, which is an insane feat. I put it out on the Twitter page and I felt so bad because I'm like, you know, I actually faded him on about everything and I went seven of eight, which is an insane feat. 
Um, but his was actually more impressive because it's hard to get a 50% probability wrong that often, you know? <laughs> when you when you posted when you made that post and go, I'm going with this, Reese is going with this, I was looking at him and I was like, I'm gonna make, you know, kind of pick and choose, and I definitely pick more of your pick. <laughs> well you all respect to Reese. <laughs> yeah, some of mine were just shots in the dark, like the FAU one. I didn't think they'd win, but I did think they'd cover that, and that was back in their sweet sixteen game. So I was kind of playing that game, and honestly, the one I was most confident in was the UCLA one. And they lost outright, so. Right. But what are you going to do about it? Anyways, that, that's all in the past. But, hey, what I'm trying to say is we're all wrong. And, and you you know, you can't be the most wrong person that's ever come on this podcast, especially since most of the time we're betting 50% probability. This is not even close to that. For people to win or make top 10, top 20, all that stuff, it's, hey, you know, everybody who bets should know that you do it on your own risk, too, so. That's right. Hey, well, thanks for calling. They, they call it. They call it gambling, not winning. That's right. Hey, thanks for coming on, G. I love to have you on. Hopefully, we have you on again sometime soon. Absolutely, Travis. Thanks for the time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. And everybody, thanks for watching. Make sure to give it a follow. Twitter, uh, sub, Twitter, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, however you watch it. But hey, have a good, happy Easter if you don't watch the golf tournament this weekend, guys. Take care.